Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the dangerously asleep woke, the COVID crisis crash, and white supremacy is America's biggest threat. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday, first of all, I'm sorry we're starting late today. This is a wonderful studio where I do my show and other wonderful shows are also done in this studio. And uh, in this studio today, the uh, gentleman who was on my show, I think two Thursdays ago on the special member show, Nick Vujicic, uh, was in the studio finishing up a show and it went pretty long. And if you didn't see that members only show, uh, Nick Vujicic is a, a native Australian and now an American citizen. Uh, he was born with no arms and no legs. And um, he is a tremendous force for good in this country, a tremendous force for bringing uh, the truth of his, his deeply held Christian faith. Uh, he is spreading the word about the importance of getting back to biblical principles. He is a, a, a fully happy, fulfilled man. Uh, he's married, uh, has four children with his wife, um, and he is a um, just, just a force beyond words. You, you listen to him talk about with his passion for America, love for America, love for the freedom America was founded on. It, it's just an extraordinary thing. So he was in the studio today, ran a little long, so we're starting late, but you know what? It's fine with me. So what I want to talk about, you know, I was thinking about, I call this a dangerously asleep woke. Many conservatives have noticed many times, often, how the left will use euphemisms or confusing, misleading labels on what they're trying to do. And they will change the wording to describe something to make it fit what they want the people to have a friendlier feel, to make what they want people to think what they're talking about really is distorting, uh, disingenuous, mis mislabeled things. I mean, simple examples are like when for a long time, uh, Al Gore had come up with the idea of global warming. And he was on and on and on about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the idea that CO2 is going to kill us all and the planet's being overwhelmed, the planet's warming, we can't even stop the warming. And when the climate data didn't bear out what he was saying would happen, in fact, there were uh, whatever the year, I think they stopped counting at some point, 15 years in a row where the climate, um, the Earth's average temperature did not rise, in fact, was going down some years, where countless predictions he made never came to fruition. Not even close. It wasn't like he slightly overestimated or underestimated something. Predictions about oceans rising and polar bear population dying out and penguins dying out, on and on and on and on. None of that ever happening. And actual climatologists being bullied into submission to his theory the way the left bullies so many people but when it finally they could not hold on to that uh, ideology any longer of global warming they changed to climate change because of course the climate's always changing and the climate change advocates will tell you and they don't even blink an eye look you right in the camera and say oh yeah uh whatever happens too much rain too little rain too much heat, 
too much cold. Whatever the climate does is taken as proof of climate change. And you can always tell when the left is up to something because they, number one, all, everything that happens fits their theory. It cannot, it's one of those, they've created a thing which cannot be disproven. And it is the basis for their pushing whatever agenda item they already wanted. Pushing the agenda toward whatever it is they always wanted, which in the case of climate change is massive, international, global redistribution of wealth. In fact, many advocates for climate change have acknowledged it's a central goal among those who push climate change at the UN. It is just orchestrated massive wealth redistribution, punishing successful free nations like America, and handing the money over to nations which do not have successful economies, often in part because their governments and economic systems uh, riddled with socialism and communism, riddled with government control, riddled with corruption, and they can't get ahead. But instead of fixing the problem that keeps those nations poor, the answer of the leftist is, well, let's, let us be in charge of everything. Let us control the international economy. Let us decide how much money America should have and how much energy they should be allowed to use and how much they should be allowed to put into the environment. We're, we're gonna control everything. So that was one example of what the left does. Climate change was a really good example when it became obvious to everyone with a pulse that the global warming thing was a complete farce, was false, was a lie. Instead of saying, okay, hey, we were wrong. Sorry about that. They switched the title and they continued right on with their agenda. And also notice a facet of what the left does with this. They change the name. It's always intended, it's always intended to get to a goal they already wanted. And the last thing is that the theories they come up with, the plots they come up with, like climate change, are always presented as though they're the experts, they're the only ones who define truth, and anyone who in any way challenges the um, challenges whatever they're saying, anyone who disagrees, anyone who raises a question, anyone who dares to contradict, is not just you know argued with. There's no no presentation of two sides of the issue, no presentation, no discussion, no back and forth. It is we have laid down truth. The left is saying they have laid down truth. Nobody can counter it. So if you dare to counter it, challenge it, question it in any way, they don't just respond by having an intelligent debate. They respond by shutting you down, canceling you, and in many cases of university professors and other people losing jobs, losing their, their, their path in life because they dared to defy the climate change uh, Nazis. The climate change, everyone must agree with us and no one can disagree. And so that's how they handle climate change. But I want to talk with you about this idea that's become trendy recently to talk about, to use the expression woke. And this is a very virtue signaling leftist thing right now. Oh, I am woke. I am woke. And so what they're, what they're saying is they have been utterly duped, completely hypnotized, mesmerized by this latest leftist agitation in this country to move this country away from the founding ideals of freedom upon which we were founded, to move our country away from that 
and to push it toward this concept of a Marxist-controlled, socialist-controlled, communist-controlled government, all because the left thinks they can run your life better than you can run it yourself. The American left in this country has been smitten and, and overwhelmed by smitten with and overwhelmed by the radical Marxist, socialist, communist left. Their agenda is all about the Marxist agenda, the cultural Marxism, the economic Marxism, the control of society. What the Biden team has managed to put out even in the first few weeks of his administration is very woke. It's all about what they intend to do. They want control of every issue and they're using the same tactics, the same techniques as the Al Gore climate change worshipers used when they had to move away from global warming and call it climate change. The Biden administration has, is on the abandon the borders mode, abandon borders, let everybody in, move them almost instantaneously towards citizenship. Many ideas and proposals floating around about having an, a, a massive amnesty occur. So all these people they've let in illegally will instantaneously become what they assume will be Democrat voters. So there's border security, there's a Green New Deal uh, provisions coming out very, uh, allegedly coming out very soon, being talked about and negotiated on, the, on Capitol Hill, where you have the Green New Deal is utterly and completely the socialist takeover of America under the guise of climate change. So Green New Deal is going to control, they, are, they have already said they're going to work into the Green New Deal, the very Marxist ideology that Obama used in his time called a, uh, a regulation called Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, AFFH. Let me translate that for you. They will decide where you can live and who your neighbors will be and how much your house can be worth and whether or not you're allowed to have your own transportation and whether or not you're allowed to sell your house for the price you think you can get. It is going to control every single aspect of housing in America. Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, they've already said they're putting into the Green New Deal along with the kind of car you can drive and how much you can drive it and how warm your house is allowed to be in a cold winter and how cool it's allowed to be in a hot summer. The, the Green New Deal is Marxism on steroids. It's coming right at you. But because they can't say, hey, we're the Marxists, we're here to impose Marxist control over America, in which case they might not have had so many people turn out and support them in 2020. They use the typical leftist ideology, the typical left, leftist plot of misstating and misleading what they're doing. And they have succeeded in this era in convincing many people, mainly millennials and younger people, but really people of all ages in America who are not paying attention or who are not, who are not clued into what they're doing to thinking of themselves as woke because they're being utterly controlled like lambs to the slaughter by the leftists who've taken over the Democrat Party, by the Marxists running this country. This concept of what's happening in Washington, D.C., this Marxist takeover of our country, and I could go after issue after issue after issue and, and lay it out for you, but the point of it is, the left has managed to delude, delude millions of Americans into thinking they're woke because what they're going to do is surrender to everything the left is telling them they have to do. Being woke includes you agree with critical uh, race theory, even though there's nothing to it except for utter racism. At its core, it is anti-American racism. But the woke will tell you, oh, yeah, I'm for that because I, I really believe I'm anti-racist. So, yeah, I'm for that. I'm for critical race theory. Issue after issue. And this term woke itself 
is a manipulative term and a manipulative um, idea that has made its way into our culture because, first of all, it sounds kind of cute. I mean, you're woke. Yeah, I'm woke. You know, and you could say that because you understand some new, you know, trendy technology, some new gadget. Oh, yeah, I'm woke. I'm really hip. I know, I know what's going on here. And also is a lighthearted term. And it's intended to signal that you're smart, that you're alert, that you're discerning, that you get what's going on. When what really woke being is, being woke is, in America, being woke today is being utterly duped, deluded, hypnotized, mesmerized, and fooled into submitting yourself to the Marxist agenda that the left is inflicting on America you are lambs to the slaughter. These people who are, they say they're woke, they are deeply asleep, completely unaware of what the left is doing to them. Completely unaware. And I use the word Marxist because it used to sound a little more ominous. And honestly, the left has managed to uh, legitimize, normalize mainstream language and words that most of us used to know. These are really bad things. You don't want this in America. We used to all understand that about socialism. But now we're like, hey, I'm hip, I'm cool, I'm like with AOC, so we are, I'm a socialist. So socialism isn't a bad word of these people. Marxism is not a bad word of these people. It should be. If they were paying attention, it would be. Collectivism isn't even necessarily a bad word of these people because they have no idea what it is. They still think they'll go to get their you know, caramel macchiato drink at Starbucks and they'll put their feet up and they'll have fabulous Wi-Fi everywhere and sit in their computer and they'll be free and they'll be woke. They have no idea the tyranny and ugliness coming to America. And maybe if we started calling it communism, they would. Maybe they'd start to see that what being woke means is you are Lenin's useful idiots. Being woke in America today is being one of Lenin's useful idiots. Surrendering to the woke ideology the left is putting out there when all they're really saying is like every other power that came, every other individual and party that came to power in this era with the mission of Marxist control, centralized control over the people, you are surrendering your own freedom and liberty. And you're just smiling all the way, thinking how smart you are, because after all, you are woke. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I got to tell you, as I sit around uh, picking topics for this show, you know, it about kills me. I'm telling you, because so many things are going on. And, uh, you know, I, I am limited. I, I can't speak for hours on end here. <laughs> so I have to pick topics. And I do want to tell you before I get into it, I'm going to talk about COVID right now. But I want to just tell you a couple of things about the show this week. So uh, we are going out of town tomorrow for a conference in Florida. And it turned out that uh, tomorrow in Florida, one of the people who will be there at this conference is Star Parker. And Star Parker, if you uh, watch my show very often, you know who that is. Uh, she is an African-American rock star conservative. She founded the group based in Washington, D.C. called CURE, C-U-R-E. And it is entirely dedicated to helping uplift the minority communities in inner city America to inspire them to lift themselves up, to lift themselves and pursue a better life than reliance on the government, reliance on dependency programs, dropping out of school, trying to help the inner city communities of America rise up 
It's a Center for Urban Renewal and Education. That's what CURE is, Center for Urban Renewal Education. She'll be in Florida, so I'm going to do a show with her, interviewing her. And then Thursday on our members-only show, uh, which I hope all of you listening are members. If you're not members, time to do it. Go to our website, americacanbetalk.org, and on the homepage is a tab that says members. Hit members. Up comes a bright red button that says join. Hit that button. $5 a month, $50 a year is the smartest money you ever spent. It is going to be, it's a fun show every Thursday. It's a Q&A show. And this Thursday we have in Florida, again, I'll be at this conference, I have Frank Gaffney joining me. Frank Gaffney, a national treasure, another national treasure, just like Star Parker. Frank Gaffney founded the Center for Urban Renewal, no, he founded the Center for Security Policy, CSP, Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., national security oriented. He is the most relentless, relentless um, advocate for America's strong national security. He was, as a very young man, he worked in the Reagan administration, and he has been on a mission for decades in Washington to expose the national security threats America faces and think of solutions, ways to work to, to protect America against them. So he'll be joining us Thursday. He's always a great interview. So uh, two shows coming up. But today it's just me, which I love. The shows are just me because then I can just rock and roll what I want to talk about. So what I want to hit on now is, is this whole idea of where we are uh, with COVID and this you know crisis, that this alleged crisis that we're in with COVID. And I'm going to start with this. Everybody in America, regardless of your political orientation, the overwhelming percentage of American citizens, everybody, you want people to be healthy. You want there to be cures for the ailments and diseases that threaten us. You want people protected from diseases and ailments as far as possible. Everybody wants that of the American people. The behavior of Dr. Fauci and many people in Washington, D.C. in dealing with COVID cannot be explained, cannot be explained when you examine the words they chose, the actions they take, and the actions they're still taking and what they're still pushing, when you contrast that with the facts and reality on the ground that America is now seeing. And I'm going to run through a bunch of this. And what I want to get, why I'm doing this today, I was talking with you in the first segment today about who's woke and what woke means. Well, the uh, woke leftists in this country are so proud that they, they hang on every word Dr. Fauci says. If he said to wear sunglasses all winter long and wear goggles and live in a, you know, a glass cone, I'm telling you there's a segment of America that would do it. Wokeness in this context means surrendering to whatever Dr. Fauci says and refusing, refusing to listen to information, data, actual life experience, actual studies put forth by actual doctors around the world and including in America. The, this is again, the manipulated wokeness ideology is Whatever Dr. Fauci says and his NIH say that that's what's true. And so we only go with what's true, don't you know? So I want to just talk about how this COVID crisis, number one, Fauci's behavior is not consistent with that of a person who's simply pursuing the health care of America. 
because he wouldn't do many of the things he did, and he would, he would not have failed to do many of the things he failed to do if his only goal were keeping America safe and healthy. So let's start with this. So Fauci, before we had COVID come along, about a year ago right now, maybe, you know, maybe February or so of 2020, Fauci had written a piece, actually published a piece, talking about how masks do no good at all to stop the spread of viruses. Because that's what's true. And he knows that's what's true. He knows that because he's the one who wrote about it and everybody who practices medicine understands that. As you, as you know, if you listen to my show, Dr. Simone Gold has pointed out and other doctors around the country, masks are insufficient, have no capability of keeping bacteria, keeping the virus as small as the coronavirus from penetrating the mask. Or as Simone Gold put it in my show, Dr. Simone Gold, an actual emergency room doctor and expert, has said, wearing a mask to prevent the coronavirus or any virus from getting in your mouth is like building a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. Completely pointless. Fauci said so, but then COVID came along and, and it was a, an opportunity for him to try to, you know, stand up and shine. So the first thing he did, he began talking about masking and masking became, you know, the, the moral equivalent of, you know, uh, remembering uh, of just, you know, putting your seatbelt on to save your life or something. Masking became the, you know, just the thing you had to do. And everybody knows this. And it was not only masking as advice to people that maybe this can help you, even though I don't believe he thought it could help them. But the masking point, it became something the way the left manipulates every issue. Same with climate change, same with border security, same with critical race theory. They manipulate every issue to get around to having people think, if I don't, or, and have many of millions of Americans accept that anyone who won't go along with whatever the left is now dictating must be a selfish, mean-spirited, uh, in other contexts, I don't know, bigoted, racist, xenophobic, something. The left is never engages on the issues. It never has a back and forth on any issue. They issue the edict, they announce truth, and then they eviscerate or attempt to eviscerate anyone who will not agree with them. Same on this COVID thing. So the masking thing became the you know, be all and end all, and then social distancing, and then businesses shut down, and then society shut down, and then massive, massive handouts coming out of Washington of your dollars. Uh, by the way, Washington, the government has no money, except the money that take from the American people in the form of taxes, businesses and corporations paying taxes and fines, that's where they get money. So Washington put together a plan to pay people to stay home. We're now in the middle of a crisis over that because a lot of businesses who are now legally able to open and, and bring people back to work cannot find people to work. And they contact former employees who say, hey, why should I work? I'm getting paid more from the government than you paid me, I'm not working. So there are states dealing with that, but I digress. I want to get with COVID crisis crash and what's really happened in the last few weeks. Number one, as more and more data came out and more and more people, doctors and experts started to say, you know what, actually, COVID is pretty much very survivable. It's got for almost everyone a 99% plus survival rate for almost everyone. It's not, you know, uh, it's not the bubonic plague. 
it's a virus. And so we have information, you know what, actually it's, it's quite survivable. And the second thing that happened, this is where I get to why Fauci, you really need to think about why anyone still listens to him. Dr. Fauci, early on when there was there were doctors in this country, doctors have been on my show, talking about the efficacy, the actual positive impact of various existing medications. This is last year in 2020. In fact, the big show, my show on July 2nd, 2020, featured Dr. Richard Bartlett, who was talking about inhaled budesonide. It's a steroid used for people who have asthma. And he discovered in an emergency room shift at the hospital he works in in Midland that budesonide actually relieved the breathing problem that COVID patients had. It was, it was an overnight transition of these people who came to the emergency room, could barely breathe, and even within a few treatments, were breathing more freely, more comfortable. And this was a lot of what was killing COVID patients because they couldn't get breath, they couldn't breathe, and they got sent to hospitals who put them on ventilators, which they later figured out were actually killing the patients because their lungs were so weakened, the ventilators blowing air in, killing the people. Not that was not the same one's fault, but the point is budesonide was widely known as effective as of last July. Hydroxychloroquine, a very commonly available drug, very inexpensive drug, same as budesonide. The, the patents are long gone on these drugs. These are, you know, these are inexpensive, easily available drugs. And many, many doctors, including Robin Armstrong, Dr. Robin Armstrong came on my show from Houston. Other doctors came on my show saying the same thing. Hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic works well, meaning before you're even sick, you can take it. And certainly when you become ill, you have, you have hydroxychloroquine as effective. And doctors are trying to say, but what you had Dr. Fauci saying, and my point, my friends, is still saying today, still saying today, that the only thing that people who are concerned about COVID should be doing is trying to get in line to get the vaccine. No acknowledgement of the people in the hundreds of thousands and probably millions in this country who've been treated with hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, ivermectin, other drugs, and easily got over COVID and right back on, on track, right back into their life, perfectly healthy. You still can't get Dr. Fauci to acknowledge that the things, and, and I wanna play a, a clip for you in a moment. In fact, I'll time out the wonderful, I think this is clip, it might be the second clip I sent you, um, there is a, uh, Dr. Fauci was being interviewed, uh, and this was uh, shortly after the interview on my show. I am not sure um, uh, whether this was something. No, this was before the clip on my show. Anyway, Dr. Fauci is being interviewed on CNN, and he's talking about um, about hydroxychloroquine and how all these doctors are out there uh, saying, actually, yeah, this was after my show. This was a, um, uh, an interview on CNN um, with, um, oh, I can't find the right one, yeah. Um, Axios, Hydro, it's the third one I sent you, clip three. This is Fauci in July of 2020 being interviewed, talking about whether or not hydroxychloroquine was effective treating COVID. 
The president again today repeated his endorsement of hydroxychloroquine, which the FDA said in June should not be used for COVID because it does not have known effects, known benefits, and it does have known risks for cardiac effects. So uh, how, how damaging is that, that he retweeted the, vi the video and defended it again today? Well, the only thing that I can do, Andrea, is, is do what I've done all along consistently, is that you look at the scientific data and the evidence, and the scientific data, the cumulative data on, on trials, clinical trials that were valid, namely clinical trials that were randomized and controlled in the proper way, all of those trials show consistently <clears throat> that hydroxychloroquine is not effective in the treatment of coronavirus disease or COVID-19. Okay, so let's... My family received an email yesterday from a... Actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I do want her to finish this. A young friend of ours, a university graduate, she's now back home in her village in rural western Kenya, asking us if now there's a cure because she had seen the video. And now I see today in the newspapers in Kenya, warnings and columns to tell people, don't believe that video. If this can be transmitted around the country and globally so rapidly, don't we have to do more to stop these dangerous conspiracies from yeah. misleading people? Yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct, Andrea, and that's the reason why I'm very explicit and unambiguous when we say we've got to follow the science. If a study that's a good study comes out and shows efficacy and safety for hydroxychloroquine or any other drug that we do. If you do it in the right way, you accept the scientific data. But right now, today, the cumulative scientific data that has been put together and done over a number of different studies has shown no efficacy. So when there's a video out there for a bunch of people spouting something that isn't true, the only recourse you have is to be very, very clear in presenting the scientific data that essentially contradicts that. Okay, I have to tell you, this guy, here's Fauci talking to CNN, lady, and even if he believed what he was saying then, even if he believed in July of 2020 that there were no studies showing that hydroxychloroquine was effective, there have been in the range of, uh, it's like five or six major, double-blind, totally serious uh, studies done, done since then, reaching a conclusion that hydroxychloroquine is effective in treating COVID. And I, I defy you, I dare you, to try to find a clip in which Dr. Fauci acknowledged this. If your agenda, if your motive as Dr. Fauci is to protect the health of the American people, and you realize, wow, I didn't know last year in July when I said that, I didn't know actually that, you know, maybe it was really true in that time that he believed that, but why wouldn't he have come forward since then and said, you know what, actually, there are now studies that do show this, studies that show that rapidly decreases or, or uh, significantly decreases the likelihood of having to be hospitalized, that people are actually getting through COVID, staying home without serious problems on hydroxychloroquine. Same thing with inhaled budesonide. Dr. Bartlett on my show last July talking about inhaled budesonide. Again, treatments are effective, mocked, ridiculed, and put down by Dr. Fauci. And now you have two 
two double-blind Oxford studies affirming the efficacy of budesonide and no moving of the needle on Dr. Fauci's part. No willingness to say, wow, this is great. Turns out there are other things that are effective. Turns out maybe we have great things. Ivermectin, budesonide, have you don't hear that. All you hear him doing is pushing the vaccines. All you hear him doing is pushing the continued masking protocol. He got actually caught up in that recently because he was trying to, um, you know, trying to, well, I'm just going to play the clip, Matt. There was a clip, I think it's the very first one I sent you, uh, Young Americans for Liberty clip of Dr. Fauci being interviewed. I want to ask you to play that, please. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting <laughs> is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. You're and telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask. Okay, so he was engaged in theater. I mean, this is not, my motive in having this conversation with you today is not to pile on Fauci. I don't like him. I think he's actually sinister. I really dislike him. And I think that he has worn out his welcome in the American uh, government in terms of his role with COVID, when he will not come clean about efficacy of other treatments that are inexpensive. He apparently will make no money from, but they are effective, and that doctors all over the country are telling people about, but he won't do that. And yet the woke in our country think they're the enlightened ones because they put their fingers in their ears, won't listen to anybody else, won't listen to facts, won't listen to reason, won't listen to doctors who are saying, I have treated thousands of people with COVID using hydroxychloroquine and they get better within days and they're all done and they don't get sick and they don't end up in the hospital. Same with inhaled budesonide. I mean, the studies are overwhelming and yet the official word from the government contains no such acknowledgement and the leftist mindset has managed to convince people who fancy themselves woke to believe they're smarter because they're following Fauci and ignoring people who actually treat patients every day. Actual doctors treating actual patients. Fauci hasn't treated a patient, I don't know what it was, 25 years or something. He's a research guy sitting up there investing money and researching and apparently heavily involved with a Wuhan lab from which this virus appears to have emerged and apparently haven't been involved in the Wuhan lab in which the, uh, the gain of function research occurring over there, not permitted here, occurring over there, uh, that he was investing NIH money in and supporting that Dr. Fauci. And yet he's a guru who makes all rules. And the reason I'm getting at this is I want to encourage people 
I want to encourage people to recognize that even in the arena of health, where most people would say, why would any doctor, in fact, I've had good friends of mine who are, you know, big liberal Democrats, but good friends of mine say, of course I listened to Dr. Fauci. Why would he lie? Why would he make something up? And because they can't think of a reason they believe, they say, well, I guess he's right. So I'm staying home. I'm double masking. Uh, I'm socially distancing. I've had friends who stayed home for 14 months, haven't like barely left their houses. They have groceries delivered and they spray it with Lysol and wipe it all down still. And not aware that most of the world in America is functioning, getting out, moving along, all of that. So back to what I want to say about this COVID crisis collapsing. So first thing that happened was you likely recall when the state of Texas, our governor Abbott announced that he was removing the mask mandate, removing the mask mandate. So we had in Texas, you know, we have not had the most conservative uh, governor uh, in Texas on uh, in, you know, in America uh, here in Texas, that that would probably that award would probably go uh, to Florida Governor DeSantis. But we did have in Texas, you know, kind of a wobbly uh, hat, one foot in the side of respecting the freedom and the rights of the, of the people and the other foot in the half of, uh, you know, on the camp of we're going to control everybody. So anyway, we had a mask mandate. The governor lifted it and President Biden popped off referring to our governor as Neanderthal because he lifted the mask mandate. And so there was a great, great report that came out in Texas. Number one, since the mask mandate was lifted, and many people weren't masking anyway, but a lot of people were, but the mask mandate was lifted, the cases in Texas continue to go down. It isn't like the mask mandate, which other states have kept in place and their numbers continue to go up. The mask mandate in Texas have gone down. It's going to read you our governor's tweet, uh, if I have it quickly. Uh, yeah, he had a tweet. So this was a tweet from our governor, to, uh, Greg Abbott. Uh, today, Texas reported zero, zero COVID-related deaths. The only time that's happened since data was tracked in March of 2020. The fewest COVID cases in over 13 months fewest cases in over 13 months, the lowest seven-day COVID positivity rate ever, meaning when they have testing, how much is um, positive, and the lowest COVID hospitalizations in 11 months. So unmasking did not, was not only, not only not Neanderthal, it was actually a brilliant choice. So that's what happened in Texas. We have great news in Texas. People are healthy. They're getting back out. And many people in Texas, they have that free spirit. They don't just salute to Fauci. So they have people in Texas turning to doctors in Texas, many of them friends of mine, who are very willing to tell them all about the use of hydroxychloroquine, the use of, uh, of, of inhaled budesonide and other treatments. So that is the masking thing. And yet you can still, now CDC just changed their masking advice um, last couple days, basically saying, if you're fully vaccinated, you can stop wearing a mask. There was a little clip I, I sent to Matt the Wonderful. Uh, this is a clip of our, the head of CDC, Dr. Uh, CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, a quick clip of an interview with her. For you, to, for you to wear that mask, how much disease is in your community? Are you aware of any fully vaccinated individual who has died of COVID-19? 
We do keep a track of this on our website. Um, we are asking hospitals and, and uh, healthcare facilities to send us um, cases of what we're calling breakthrough infections. They occur, they are rare. We are aware of 223 as of May 10th that are um, among the 115 million people that had been vaccinated by that time. I also wanna convey that now many, many hospitals are um, screening people for COVID when they come come in. So not all of those 223 cases who had COVID actually died of COVID. They may have had mild disease, but died, for example, of a heart attack. So case, you said 2,300 uh, cases, but no uh, confirmed deaths of people who are vaccinated from COVID. I'm, I'm sorry, there have been 223 deaths out of 115 million Got it. people who Thank have you been vaccinated. An extraordinarily, extraordinarily low rate when you consider the <clears throat> death rate of COVID itself. Thank you so much. And I think what you started with is important. This is really, really good news. Uh, thank you to scientists. Thank you for making this time possible. And it's just a question of... Okay. So two things about that little uh, interview there. Uh, number one, um, what she's saying, Dr. Walensky is saying, is that of people who are fully vaccinated, there have been 223 deaths of people who are fully vaccinated and came to the hospital and had COVID. She's trying to say, you know, they didn't necessarily die of COVID. They may have had some other cause of death, but they've been fully vaccinated and still got COVID and came to the hospital and died but maybe die from other causes. And so it is interesting because for the longest time, the CDC was including in their death count, including their death count of Americans who died of COVID, they would include people who happened to have COVID, did have COVID in their system and died, but died from some other cause. So they would include died with COVID numbers in the same total as died of COVID or due to COVID. But now she's wanting to make that, and, and people were criticizing the CDC because the vast majority of the death numbers that they were quoting of death, uh, COVID death numbers, I don't know if it was majority, a significant percentage of the people that were attributed to uh, in the CDC numbers death due to COVID were actually death with COVID. I mean, there were extreme examples, like a guy who was killed in a motorcycle accident, and as they're doing the autopsy, they realized he has COVID in his system, and it was a COVID death. There were cases like that, families complaining, saying, wait a minute, they shouldn't say COVID on that death certificate. That's not what they had. I'm getting at, CDC tried to ignore that, but now you have them, her, because she wants to diminish the number of people or the concern about people who got the vaccine, got COVID and died. And she's saying, yeah, but someone didn't die from the COVID from something else. So it's a good thing. She's actually acknowledging that people can be carrying COVID, have COVID uh, and yet not, um, and yet die. I mean, every death is horrible, but I mean, pass on uh, and then have, but the cause of death wasn't really the COVID. But so now the CDC is saying everybody who's fully vaccinated can go out. Um, I want to go back to something about hydroxychloroquine. I just, the reason I'm, I'm going to tie all this together at the end, again, to go back to my point in the beginning of the show today. It is the uninformed woke who are religiously following everything Fauci says, religiously following whatever the advice is about the vaccine, about other treatments, 
and joining the crowd of mockery and derision and ridicule, all of that spewing out of the leftist mindset that says nothing works in dealing with COVID unless you get the vaccine. And just nothing works, nothing to see here, don't listen to other doctors. And that is what, and that was what people think who think they're woke, who believe they're woke because they're among the smart people. They listen to Fauci instead of listening to truth. But I want to hear some, another thing very interesting. So India was in the news recently, the country of India, you know, I think second most populous country in the world, massive population. And in India, they had an outbreak of, of COVID, a very serious um, outbreak. And so they had, you know, all the numbers were coming out. Well, what's happened in India was the government put out, the government put out a notice to its citizens urging the people, urging Indian citizens to use ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Instead of the Fauci style, which is in every conceivable, you know, press conference possible, mock and ridicule the efficacy of anything else and tell everyone to sit on their hands until they're dying and then go to the hospital and get put on a ventilator and that'll kill them for sure. Instead of saying, hey, you know, there's some great treatments out there, folks. Fauci could have been saying, if your doctor recommends, if you're a doctor who knows you, recommends hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, you know, you should try that. That was not the message of Fauci. But in India, the government of India told people, hey, you know, you got a problem with a COVID, you're concerned, urge hydroxychloroquine, urge ivermectin, and their number, their cases numbers are going way down, as are their death numbers, plummeting case numbers, plummeting death rates. And I think it's important to ask yourself, in the country of India, which, you know, why in the world you would not, have, in fact, oh, actually, this is one thing I want to tell you guys, uh, my friends. Uh, so I was telling you about all these uh, studies about uh, hydroxychloroquine being effective and questioning why wasn't there ever a statement out of Fauci, Burks, NIH, anybody in Washington saying, hey, wow, look. So there are now 292 studies, 292 292 studies, 219 peer-reviewed that prove the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine as both a treatment and a prophylaxis, meaning take it to prevent getting COVID against COVID-19. Ivermectin has 93 studies, 54 of them peer-reviewed, showing its effectiveness as a treatment and prophylaxis against COVID-19. So you have other countries in the world able to be honest with the citizens, and yet you have the out of CDC, out of the uh, Fauci regime in, in Washington, NIH, wait for the vaccine, don't do anything else. And then I wanna turn now and talking about COVID and the, the crisis is, is gone away in the minds of many people, even though there's still this effort to kind of keep pushing it. But there are also numbers to report that really, really matter in terms of deaths due to the vaccines, deaths caused by the vaccines. Before I get to that one little data point to share with you, and just a question for you and all, and all your wokester friends, why is the government in so many places so exuberant, so excited about sharing enticements, luring people to get the vaccine when all these other effective treatments are out there and work. 
Why wouldn't the government in the states around this country, why wouldn't they be saying, hey, look, talk to your doctor, talk to your local whoever it's going to be, you know, your, your health care provider, get hydroxychloroquine, get budesonide, get ivermectin, you know, pursue getting better. But the enticement, the luring and the state governments is all to get the vaccine. And so in Washington state, a Washington, Washington state businesses are giving free booze, free alcohol to people in order to entice them to get the COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, can you imagine anything stupider? I'm sorry, you get, I mean, the, what the motivation, I mean, it does not really elude me. I, I can understand the motivation, but businesses and the governments themselves enticing people, come get your vaccine, free booze, uh, lottery tickets being given away in Ohio if you get the vaccine. If all these people are as smart as you are and you know about all these other treatments, why the hysteria to push the vaccine? And then on the vaccine front, there have been, I want to ask you if I were giving this talk in person, I would say, hey, so how many deaths do you think there have been in America from people who died apparently shortly after receiving the COVID vaccine? How many Americans do you think? Now, of course, the pharmaceutical companies and the Fauci's of the world are quick to say, wait, 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 you didn't prove cause and effect. You don't know. I mean, healthy one day, got a vaccine, die the next day. That doesn't mean that the vaccine killed them. And that's technically true. I mean, they'll have to try to figure out cause of death. And I think there will be a massive effort to repress that. But in America, according to the CDC, the CDC, 4,000. 178 Americans dead following the COVID injections. 4,178. That is more than all the vaccine death rates put together in America for other vaccines we have in the, in, since 2001, in 20 years. COVID vaccine death rate, CDC numbers, 4,178. And that's a higher number than all of the other vaccine death rates in America put together in the last 20 years. This is according to VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Um, and so I, I, I just want to say these are not without possible side effects. And the last thing I'll tell you about is, and we're going to get, I mean, I could tell you, put up pictures, do the leftist thing about pictures and sad stories and perfectly healthy mother of three and perfectly healthy young person and, you know, put, and, and who died right after getting the vaccine. I'm going to spare you doing that because I don't think that's persuasive. I think numbers are more persuasive. I think any death is sad. Death from COVID, death from a motorcycle accident, death from a vaccine. You know, I'm in favor of life. I don't want, I'm, I'm saddened by any death. But my perspective on this show is that I'm deeply, deeply troubled by the agenda of the left to, and many state governments and some businesses to push the vaccine as the only answer. It's the only answer you're allowed to push. And the numbers about death story, the stories when they have a, a, you know, a media story about some young person or a middle-aged person, whatever age they were, who healthy, took the vaccine, died, those stories are ripped off the pages of America's media the next day. Nobody wants you to think about them. Nobody wants you to talk about them. 
Nobody wants you to question them. And I will tell you that, as Simone Gold and many other people have been saying, since the time of the Nuremberg trials, Americans and every other civilized country in the world have treated experimental medications as a form of torture, completely unacceptable, never to be mandated. And yet in America, we're this close to mandating this vaccine. We're not there, but we're having businesses talk about whether they're gonna make sure you can't enter the business, you can't be hired, you can't travel, you can't get an airplane. There will be a vaccine mandate agenda coming forth. And that agenda relies on the American people not thinking through the fact that these vaccines are experimental. They are not FDA. I guess one recently got a partial FDA approval very recently, but the broad swath of vaccines for COVID do not have FDA approval. They've not had the long studies we normally required for other vaccines. We don't have explanations for the death rates. We don't have explanations for the blood clot cases. We have a government driving you to get the vaccine. And I go back to my point in the beginning about being woke. I, everyone, it's a free country and it's a free country for pharmaceutical companies who develop vaccines and for, we should have FDA testing and approval, but if that occurs, it's a free country as to whether or not people wish to pursue the vaccine or not. But you have to ask yourself and very seriously consider why is it Dr. Fauci, as head of NIH, was quick and fast and determined and adamant in denouncing any, the efficacy of any treatment for COVID except the vaccine, claiming no good studies have been done. And yet when studies have now been done by Oxford for budesonide, one of the numbers I just told you, the studies done for hydroxychloroquine, the 400s of them, peer-reviewed studies, and ivermectin, you don't hear him out there saying, wow, these are really efficacious. You know, this could actually change everything. You know, because we don't go to vaccines, my friends, for every disease that comes along. In fact, there's a flu vaccine. I don't know what percent of Americans take it, but not that many. I mean, Americans do not flock to get the flu vaccine. And most people don't because they don't get flu very often. They're not worried about it. And they don't want to get the flu vaccine. They think they're fine without it. And that's what they think. And they're allowed to do that. But we're crossing a, a line here with respect to COVID where the, the fear of COVID has been infused in our society. The leftist tactic, same thing they use on critical race theory, on climate change, on border security, every other issue, which is to mock and ridicule and attempt to eviscerate anyone who dares disagree with them, never to debate the substance, never to respond as to facts and knowledge available on both sides, but simply to say, we have spoken, we've decided, and this is what you're gonna do. And on the COVID vaccines, we're not going to get into this today, but I'm going to tell you that next week on the show, I think it's next Wednesday, uh, we have a great doctor joining us. He's been testifying all over the country and testifying in Congress about the very dangerous nature of the actual content of these vaccines. They're not even what is traditionally considered a vaccine. 
They use that word loosely. It's not a vaccine in the, in the traditional use of that word. Dr. McCullough is going to join us next Wednesday and spell out in more detail what that's all about. But okay, so that was I want to hit the COVID crisis. What what is a crisis is the left is realizing that the story is that the facts are getting out there. People are realizing it is is survivable for almost everyone. And there are efficacious, efficacious treatments, even prophylactic treatments, and studies are proving they're effective. And more and more people are now saying, but wait, then why is the government pushing so hard on this disease, on this issue for th these vaccines? Why? Why? We'll talk to Dr. McCall about that next week. I just want to say I'm in favor of thinking. I'm in favor of facts. I'm in favor of thinking. I'm in favor of people actually using their God-given intelligence, curiosity, capacity to read and reason and think, and not just salute to the wokeism leftism that is telling you just believe whatever Fauci says to believe. Okay, one last topic to outside very quickly. Um, I call it white supremacy is America's biggest threat. And, and, and I mean, and no, it's not, by the way. No, it's not. But what I want to hit was, so along the lines of understanding how the left is working militantly, militantly to impose a Marxist ideology, a Marxist process in this country, a, a government-controlled society, a left-wing, big government-controlled society over every aspect of American life, every aspect of American life. That's always been their goal, and they find different ways to push that. Climate change was one. Critical race theory is another one. At COVID is another one. There are many, many avenues or tactics or, or issues they choose to use as the weapon to clobber the individual, clobber America's free society. This is what happens when the left is in charge of an issue, when they get a hold of one that they think they can control and they think they can tell the American people what to think and they can tell them what to do, and they will all surrender our freedom. So I want to go back to, I, I talk about this white supremacy thing. First of all, true, true white supremacy, any group or individual who actually believes that any race, ethnicity, national origin, or skin color is inherently supreme, is evil and racist, and I denounce them 1,000%. There is no place for any ideology that says, because of your race, where your ancestors came from, your skin tone, your skin color, that you think you're supreme, you think you're better. There's no place for that in America. Now, the left has latched onto critical race theory and the related concept of white supremacy because they see it as a tool to manipulate the American people to keep the American people divided, distrustful of each other, siloed into you know, assignments of your skin color, race, ethnicity, you're a hyphenated person, so you're an Asian American, an African American, a Hispanic American, or whatever other groups they have. It is a tactic, it is a tool to divide America. They have lashed on to critical race theory and white supremacy as a means of gathering and increasing left-wing centralized political power. That's all there is to it. Yes, does racism exist? Of course. In every skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin, there are people who are racist. And in America, it is a minute percent 
of every race, a minute percentage of people of any race who actually think in terms of supremacy of their race over somebody else's. America elected Barack Obama, including with many, many white voters, because whatever reason, they thought he was the right choice for them. You, if you have a, a country reeking and dripping with white supremacy and prejudice, you don't elect a black president. You just don't. And I gotta tell you something else. I'm again to what Merrick Garland said, and, and also um, the uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas also has been saying the same thing. In fact, I'll tell you what they said. So U.S. Attorney uh, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas both said in a Senate hearing recently that they see white supremacy they see white supremacy as the single biggest threat facing America. And I'm calling hogwash on them. I would say BS, but I don't swear in the show, so hogwash. I don't even think they believe that. I, I seriously doubt they believe that. There, are there people who are rotten, evil racists? Yes, who are white and black and Asian and every other color? Yeah, sure, there are racists. And the vast majority of people of every skin color, race, ethnicity, and national origin, the vast majority of them hate that. They hate racism. They hate the concept of supremacy based on race. We have continually in this country strived to make ourselves a better and better nation. That is the truth of America. That is the truth of what America is. But these people, these leftists who take in positions now in the federal government, see the planting of the seed, the belief of white supremacy as a means to an end. The same way climate change, the same way border security, the same way COVID, they see an issue or a fact or an event in life and they see it as a means to an end. The not just absurdity, but outrageousness that what the Biden administration is attempting to do is call anyone who questions the November 2020 elections a domestic terrorist, and that is their plan. I am, that is not a speculative thing. This is what Department of Homeland Security has already floated as a regulation that you should consider in the definition for domestic terrorist, someone who questions the outcome of the 2020 election. Someone who questions the scope and power of the federal government. I am paraphrasing those terms. I don't have the exact language in front of me, but the left is trying to label anyone who doesn't agree with their Marxist communist agenda as a domestic terrorist. And so therefore, anyone who supports America first, anyone who supports the agenda of the Trump administration, forget about President Trump personally, like him or hate him, whatever you think, the Trump agenda, restoration of America the strong, America the free, America with strong borders, America with a strong, robust free market economy, America with a strong military, that Trump agenda, that is utterly despicable to the left. They can't stand that agenda. But again, as the left always does, instead of debating those agenda items and going back and forth and say what they think, they're attempting to use the label of white supremacy 
to label anyone who supports the MAGA agenda, the Make America Great agenda, the strong border, strong military, etc. This is a political ploy. This is an intentional dividing of America and an intentional silencing of the American people. That is what they are up to. I don't know Merrick Garland, and I do not know Alejandro Mayorkas. I do not know either one of these men. I do know the political party that they, are, they have allegiance to. I do understand the administration for which, they, for, for which they were hired. The administration, the Biden administration, which actually isn't the Biden administration, it's the Barack Obama, Valerie Jarrett, uh, maybe a little bit of Kamala Harris thrown in there, actually controlling everything. The Marxists who ran this country under the Obama years for eight years, that's who's running this country, and that's who's okay with these people, and that's why they came to work for this administration, because they buy into that Marxist agenda. And they plant seeds like white supremacy is the biggest threat ever, because it justifies their acquiring and increasing power. It justifies their, and I'll tell you, one little avenue this is uh, peeling off, and then I got a rock and roll. Yeah, we're out of time. But we started late, I swear. Anyway, I was going to just say, there's a battle ongoing in Washington about whether or not the January 6th uh, events at the Capitol should become the subject of a special commission appointed by the U.S. House of Representatives to investigate the January 6th uprising at the Capitol. And woven into that is the leftist lie, the hogwash lie, that the January 6th thing, events at the Capitol, were the actions of or motivated by white supremacists. They're trying to, to tie together white supremacy with what happened at the Capitol, because what they're really saying is anyone who believes in the ideas of America, anyone who supports the America First agenda, anyone who wants America to reemerge as the leader of freedom in this world, anyone who wants to pull America out of the ugliness and ruin of socialism and bring us back to freedom, anyone who wants a secure border, anyone who wants the military to be strong, to keep us safe, all those people, say the left, are just evil white supremacists. And that's why they wanted Trump. It's why they broke in the Capitol. And these are lies, and they're intentional lies, and they're chosen peculiarly and particularly by these people because when you choose those kind of lies, you dupe and fool the woke, the people who think they're enlightened because they listen to Anthony Fauci and Alejandro Mayorkas and Merrick Garland and Kamala Harris and other leftists. America cannot fall for the lie they are pushing. We cannot fall for it. We have to stand up and say, there is nothing racist and everything good and noble and right about the ideas of America. This is why I do this show, this is what my show is about, is saving this country and correctly stating, accurately laying out what the pro-America agenda is. It's pro-freedom, pro-equal rights, pro-every single right spelled out in the Bill of Rights, pro-constitutional freedom, pro-rule of law that equally blesses and equally enables every single person, regardless of race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color. The very ideas of America are completely colorblind. That's the beauty of them. That's the beauty of the ideas of America. And this is the leftist visceral hatred for the idea of America is motivating this garbage hogwash agenda 
of trying to describe the January 6th agenda or the MAGA agenda or the pro-Trump agenda or the pro-America agenda as racist. It is an evil assault on the idea of America. What they're really saying is the very idea of America itself is racist. And no, my friends, it is not. America is the most extraordinary, precious country the place where freedom found a new home in the, in the Western world. We are the leader of freedom, the leader of opportunity because of those ideas. And those ideas are under direct attack by the leftist mob that would take this country down as they are attempting to do right now with their Marxist ideology and Marxist actions. It is high time for every single conservative, everyone who understands the unique greatness of America to be in the fight to preserve this country. I close every show by telling you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. So Matt, the wonderful, will put them up for us. Uh, we started out with a, uh, the dangerously asleep woke. And I mean this, wokeism is wolf labeling in sheep's clothing. It's just communism by another name and it seeks the destruction of freedom. The 1619 project, which we didn't even talk about, we talked about yesterday a lot, uh, destroys the Declaration of Independence as the foundation of America. Critical race theory ditches all men and women created equal. It, it is an evisceration of that promise of the Declaration. White supremacy is not even remotely a major terrorist threat facing America. And I don't think Mer Merrick Garland, Alejandro Mayorkas, Mayorkas, or most of the American left even, even seriously entertains the idea that white supremacy is a serious problem. They choose that as a political ploy to gain power. Cancel culture is the end of free speech. Narrow global warming concerns morphed into one world government control of climate change. The radical left agenda is not benign. It is purposeful and serious. Americans must wake up and speak up. This is not a war to be won by uniformed soldiers. It's to be won by awakened, truly awakened Americans. And the COVID crisis clash, India outbreak contained and dropping through ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, not vaccines. Texas data on deaths, positive cases, hospitalizations, lowest in 11 plus months, despite ending the mask mandate on March 10th. U.S. mortality rates are back to pre-pandemic levels. More Americans are opting to go mask-free. Large retailers are setting aside mask requirements. Death rates for COVID vaccines far in excess of flu vaccines and every other vaccine added together. Class action claims, oh, I didn't even talk about, there's a class action lawsuit getting started. Claims government coercion of experimental vaccines violates the Nuremberg Protocols. I'll tell you about that next week. Fauci indicates about half of the staff of the NIH is not taking the vaccine. Who knew? Anecdotal data is pointing in all directions simultaneously. Trust the science has taken a beating. Reforming and restaffing U.S. public health institutions is a must. And the last one, problem of Merrick Garland. And this is white supremacy is not a major terrorist threat in America. There's no substantial body of evidence backing up such an assertion. Serious people know there is no substantial body of evidence backing it up. Yet Biden's attorney general tells the American public that white supremacy is the major threat facing America. Does he really believe what he's saying? If he doesn't believe what he's saying, what's his purpose in saying it and doing so? He is tying believing in the America first agenda and the America's founding ideas with racism. And that is evil. 
These are deeply troubling questions about Mr. Garland. Nagging fear among Americans, Garland is trying to make MAGA support into terrorism. If so, Garland is engaged in unprecedented destructive deceit and manipulation. My very fine friends, as I said earlier in the show, Tomorrow, I'm doing the show from Florida. I'll be joined by Star Parker. We'll have a great interview with her. She's a stellar American hero. On the Thursday, members only show, I'll still be in Florida. Going to have Frank Gaffney joining us of the Center for Security Policy. These will be great shows, great interviews, great discussions about the issues facing America. So I'll close out by saying, Thank you so very much for listening to my show on any social media you're on. Please like, subscribe, share. You know what to do. Do those things. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com, especially if you're a member and you have a question for our guest on Thursday for Frank Gaffney, please email it to me. I will try to fit it in during our interview. I urge all of you to go to our website. Subscribe to our, which is americacanwetalk.org. Subscribe to the newsletter. Join America Can We Talk, $5 a month, $50 a year, it's a bargain, and then you can watch the Thursday members-only shows. I also urge you when you get our weekly newsletter to share it, spread this show, because I gotta tell you folks, this show is being censored by social media, and I will not stop talking about the unique and extraordinary greatness of America. I will not stop because I love this country. I want more and more people to understand how precious and important and extraordinary America is. I do this show because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?